This week, we bring you another episode in our full-time series. We're going to talk about all the different rigs that might be of interest to prospective full-timers and all the things that you might want to think about when you decide on a new RV for full-timing. That plus we talk about how to get rid of your trash when you're on the road, when you're boondocking, when you're at campgrounds with limited recycling, and a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. RV Miles is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean is a proud partner of the National Park Foundation, and you can help them support the parks by shopping their limited edition National Park Collection. Every time you purchase products from the National Park Collection, which includes totes, shirts, hats, patches, and more, you're helping to protect, restore, and improve parks throughout the U.S. Search National Park Collection at LLBean.com and be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 155 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. We are coming to you this week from Montrose, Colorado, near Uray, Colorado, near the... Uh, Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park, which we haven't explored yet, but we're excited to get to see. We're coming off of a stint of uh, about three days in uh, the Curaconte sure. National <laughs> Recreation Area. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Sure. Uh, but gorgeous, gorgeous camping along the Gunnison River. We took a wonderful drive along US 50, along the Arkansas River, and then over Monarch Pass, and then got to go into uh, the Blue Mesa Reservoir. It's up, upstream of a dam on the Gunnison River and is the largest body of water in Colorado. It's not a natural body of water, but it's the largest body of water in Colorado. And it was another pass. I'm sure you heard Jason <laughs> say Monarch Pass. It so wasn't that bad of a pass, It though. was another travel day for Abby with sweaty palms and wishing she could be sedated. But we did it. <laughs> we'll <laughs> leave it at that. We did it. And actually, we're a little frazzled to Tonight. Let's be honest. Yes, you heard me say tonight. We are recording this kind of on the we'll do it live sort of vibe tonight <laughs> because we are trying to fit in a few things that we would like to do at Black Canyon of the Gunnison before we leave. And it was like a do we record tonight? Do we not record tonight? Did you do the show notes today? No, I thought you were going to do the show notes today. <laughs> Let's just wing it. So we're all winging episode 155 together. <laughs> we did a little planning, but we, it's just a little no, like getting it together. Listen, if you're watching this, you are witnessing me in my jammy shirt. Uh, I've got my hair pulled up in the messy bun. And behind me is a sink full of dishes which I will wash when we are done with this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we had a great time uh, camping those three nights over at the National Recreation Area. I got to take Henry fishing for the first time, which was pretty special. He, he loved really, it. really, really loved that. He's hooked. And we took a wonderful hike down into a canyon. You know, Did you just let that swim right on past you? <laughs> oh, another one. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I... I punted that to you, and you just <laughs> skated right on by. <laughs> I thought it would be just a little nugget for people to pick oh, up. Oh, did you? Okay. Never mind. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> I'm gonna we're gonna highlight to... that, draw yeah, a circle around yeah. it, that's, underline it. That's the funny part of the script. <laughs> Make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> but we took this wonderful hike down into the canyon. Uh, it was about 900 feet down, and then back up to a beautiful little hidden lake. And you Amazing. know what? I gotta tell you, during these coronavirusy times. Hikes like this, places like this that aren't that popular, there are still some really special places out there that aren't the capital N, capital P national parks, that aren't in the super touristy towns, great places that you can get to and get away from people for a while. And, and this was beauty. one of them for sure. And that hike was so special and it really did kind of boot petroglyph at Mesa Verde into the number two spot and moved this one up to the number one spot for me because just getting down to that Gunnison River, getting down those 900 feet with children 
and then getting into that water. And then you swam and our friend, you guys swam way out into the river. You went into sort of the intersection where the river sort of forks. Uh, amazing, like Echo Canyon, no one around. Phenomenal. And no one was there. We had the whole place to ourselves for a good 30, 45 minutes. And then it seemed like the lunch hour had passed and all the hikers descended and we loaded up our stuff yeah. and moved on uh, out, let them have the space. And uh, definitely a lot more people came in. This is the Cure Conti Creek Trail. If you want to check it out and get some more ideas, I'll put it in the show notes as well. Wanted to start the show off today with a listener question that we got in the email editor at RV Miles. If you have any questions, Abby, would you read it for us, please? Oh, I would love to. All right. This is from Mike, and he says, you know, I live in a rural lakefront home in Maine, and trash is a bit of a nuisance. I don't want a container for local pickup. It's expensive, and I hardly produce enough trash to fill it. Also, there are recycling requirements. So I compost a bit, drive 30 miles to bring non-biodegradable or non-recyclable to a transfer site, and bring my plastic and cans and bottles to a nearby collection facility, which is open a half day every other week. In the summer months, I freeze anything that might smell and attract local wildlife until I can take it to the distant trash station. Wow. So, that's a lot of work. Wow, freezing that, your trash before you can take it to, tra to trash pickup. That is crazy. So he goes on to say, so to the point, how do you handle the inevitable accumulation of trash? And you guys with kids, no less. Paper, plastics, cardboard, cans, bottles, and non-recyclables, etc. in your travels. From personal experience, I know how it can accumulate, must be sorted, and the space it takes up even in a large home. That's a fantastic question. I think that's one thing people don't often talk a lot about is yeah. trash in your RV when you're out traveling, boondocking at a federal estate or a private campground. What we use for our trash is we actually have just one of these tiny trash cans that only fits grocery bags. We don't buy trash bags. We use the grocery bags that we get from shopping. It's kind of our way of reusing them because often we can't get to where we need to go to recycle them. So we use them as trash bags. Yeah. So if we're at a campground with trash, we're often taking the trash out a couple times a day, which is fine because it's a job that we can give the kids. Yeah. Jack is responsible for trash. But more often than not, campgrounds do not have recycling. Now, there are some that do, but for the most part, our experience has been they don't provide recycling. And that's unfortunate. It's a big bummer. And when we do get to a campground that does offer recycling, and a lot of times like a national park campground will have recycling. In fact, Lake Fork, where we were just at, they had a recycling option. When we have that option, we do try to separate out our recyclables. Another thing that we do, though, is we don't buy bottled water. We have our jerry can or we will have our filter that we hook directly up, but we don't, we really do try to minimize the amount of trash that we have. And we avoid paper plates and plastic, yeah. uh, plastic silverware and all that sort of stuff as much as possible too. But you know, you can recycle in a lot of towns around the country. There is often a recycle station that you can drive to. You often have to find the information out about them because as you said, they are often not open every day of the week and there are certain hours and you can't drop stuff off if the gate's closed and that sort of stuff. So you do have to sort of look into it and figure it out. And there have been times when we've done that, especially when we have bigger items that we want to get rid of and recycle. Yeah. And often though, the flip side to that is that a lot of times campers are quite removed from the city. So like you, Mike, we're driving a half hour, 45 minutes sometimes just to get to the nearest grocery store or got, you know, and sometimes that grocery store is the teeny tiny little town grocery store. Mm -hmm. So that's really a challenge too. One thing we have found when we have some bigger items, like let's say we get a delivery from Amazon and we have a big cardboard box. Those cardboard boxes actually stay around with us for a while because Henry uses them as art. <laughs> they become homeschool projects. They do. They actually do. We do find a way to reuse them. And so Henry will go and he will cut them up and create things with them. And so then that's kind of like reusing that item rather than buying all these art supplies all the time. I do actually try to reuse our cardboard and things that could be supplemented in his art because Henry loves to create and he loves to do art. And so that's kind of another way that we can 
find a new life for things that would normally just find themselves pitched into the trash at the end of the day. You know, sometimes you're lucky enough to have a campground right next to the town dump. <laughs> it's happened I to us a few times. I don't know how lucky <laughs> we were, but we were definitely close. But when we're boondocking, often we will just put those bags of trash into the back of the truck. And we don't generally, even if we're boondocking somewhere, we're usually driving in to see things and stuff. And we'll take that with us. Now, if you're pulling a trailer with a pickup truck, I want to caution you about putting your trash in the back if you have a soft cover on the back of the truck because animals, especially bears, have been known to rip open your soft covers on the back of your truck to get to your trash. So so be careful of that. Always be careful about what you do with your trash, leaving it outside and stuff for wild animals because they will come get it. Well, and it doesn't matter if you are in a campground in the heart of a city or in a campground that's completely removed. Just don't leave your trash outside because one of the things that we noticed in a campground we were recently at that was in an urban environment is that the squirrels were very, very much comfortable and accustomed to people and coming up and looking for food, wanting us to feed them, looking around our campsite for food. So that was an indication that they had either been fed or had access to trash that shouldn't have been left out overnight. Sometimes if you're if you're really going to be spending a while away from trash, people really do take the time to organize and sort their trash and you know in terms of like uh packing it like you would pack a suitcase so that it, it fits in the smallest area possible and that can really save a lot of space it sounds like with freezing your trash until you can take it to, I think to a dump i think you've got it down there yeah. so but breaking down your <laughs> items you know breaking down any cereal boxes finding ways that you can like make everything more compact and jason was saying sometimes you know that we usually have two grocery bags a day. Well, we've had cases where we've only had one. And I think that that's kind of my goal. If we have just a day where we only take out at the end of the day, that one garbage bag, that's a grocery size bag. Then I feel like for a family of five, who's been home all day, who's had three meals and lived all day long, I feel like that's a really good goal for us. And the amount of trash that I want to contribute into the world, I guess, for lack of a better word. I'm going to give you one more tip for disposing of trash when you're sort of out camping away from trash before we, we move on. One of my favorite places to dispose of trash after we're boondocking for a, a little while is a car wash because often our truck needs washed after that. And they usually have big dumpsters for people that are cleaning out their cars when you go to vacuum them and all that sort of stuff. So that's a great place. Also, uh, rest stops um, or a new campground. You know, sometimes we'll spend several days boondocking and then go into a campground and dump and fill and shower and laundry. And that's where you can dump your trash as well. Which so. is what we're doing right now. Yeah. Because we've gone from three days of dry camping and we're now in a campground currently with hookups and laundry. All right. That's uh, that's trash. Who knew you could <laughs> talk about trash so much? We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And we're going to talk about rigs for full-time RV living. Be right back. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Hughes Autoformers, makers of the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV, and the Power Watchdog beats the competition with field-replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small affordable part you can replace yourself. It's the last surge protector you need to buy. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. Or click the Hughes logo in the show notes for this episode. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser. I really liked this one. What letter is three to the right of the letter that is immediately to the left of the letter that is two to the right of the letter that is three to the left of the letter F? And I think you answered. I think I said H. You said H. Yes. You were so close. Oh, really? The answer is G. Hot dog. G Look at that. is three to the right of the letter that is immediately to the left of the letter that is two to the right of the letter that is three to the left of the letter F. 
all right, then I'm getting really good at these. It only took three years. For you to get almost right. For me to get, like, almost right. <laughs> we'll have a new brain teaser later on the show. But now it's time to talk about rigs, RVs, trailers, motorhomes, vehicles Campers, that you, you might want to use for full-time RVing. And we're not going to talk today about specific brands no. or configurations, that sort of stuff. We're just going to give you some ideas and thoughts to consider because everybody full-times differently. Some of you are single, some of you are couples, some of you are families, some of you will travel faster or slower, some of you will be stationary. All that comes into play when you figure out what kind of RV you buy for full-time living. But the first point that I want to throw out there just to get this conversation started as Abby checks her watch because Sorry, I made my move goal for today. Okay. My watch just wants me to know that my move goal has been reached is that anything that is a little bit of a challenge when camping, right. Um, that you can sort of deal with when you're out for a week and it's not a big deal. Those things are magnified intensely when you are full timing. So what do I mean by that? Um, if laundry, you, <laughs> laundry, laundry. Uh, a, a very small kitchen space. You know, you can you can cook outdoors to your heart's content when you're out camping for a week, but you can't do that full time. It's going to be raining. It's going to be it's annoying. Cold. It's going to be windy. <laughs> it's going to be hot. Yeah, you're just not going to feel like it. You can do it as much as possible, but you can't always do it. Yeah, there are just things that are harder to deal with when you are full-time. So you really want to look at those things and make sure that you're not magnifying them. Yeah, so we brainstormed a little bit this morning, talked about, you know, in almost four years of travel, what are the things that we have made mistakes and not thinking of? What are the things that we were really proud of ourselves for remembering and how all that shakes down for us just in a day-to-day -day function. So let's just dive right in with what our very first thought was. How will you get around? This is a perfect example of things being magnified. If you are in a, a motorhome without towing a vehicle behind it and you're gone for a week, well, you can stock up on groceries and stuff before you go. Once you get somewhere, you know, then you're going to have to figure out getting that motor home around. Uh, do you want to drive that through a national park? That's really challenging when you're doing that every day of your life. So you really do need some type of other vehicle or you can travel around in a small motorhome. Like a lot of people travel in like just a class B. But that's not very realistic if you are a family looking to full time. In fact, yeah. it's absolutely not Realistic. And it comes with its own problem of having to break camp every time you leave. Yes. A lot of people do it, and that's that's great. And Leave their camp chairs um, just sitting there so yeah. you know we will return, and then they take off. But, you know, for us, a travel day, no matter how hard I try and no matter how organized I feel like I am in this trailer, I still feel like it's taking us too much time. And if I had to do that every time I needed to run to the store, every time I needed to do a Walmart pickup, every time we wanted to go visit a national park or just drive over for a hike, I would lose my mind. And you can use bikes, but that's just still not realistic to be able to, you know, drive into a drugstore or something like that. And, you know, we've talked to lots of people over the years that start off full-timing, and their plan is that they're not going to have a car right away. Maybe they're going to rent one when they get to certain places. And without fail, after that first year, everybody has a second, either a second vehicle or they're towing a trailer uh, with a, a truck. I think a really good example of this is just our own lives before full-time when we lived in Chicago. When we had Jack, we were living in an apartment. We were close to transit. We didn't own an automobile. Mm -hmm. We did everything by CTA or I walked in the stroller. This is what we did. And then when we added Ethan into the mix, it was like, uh-uh. We need to get a car. And actually, we had gotten a car right before Ethan was born, like I think before I even got pregnant with him, because we were just at the point where we had done a year of no automobile. 
and taking public transit with a kid. And it was awesome. And that's what, you know, I'm glad we did it. But then we were like, no, this is just, it's so much work. And it this takes, is in a city with like world-class yeah. public transit. But it just took so much more time. It wasn't like I need to run over to the grocery store and I'm going to go over there and it's going to take me 15 minutes. No, it's I have to go to the grocery store and I've got to take and I've got to walk and I'm going to take my kid with me and I have to load everything up. Or I have to get on a bus or I have to get on a train. So that's a little bit of how RVing feels in the sense that, yes, your home is on wheels, but it's your home. Your automobile is your automobile. This is your home. It just happens to be on wheels. And so for us, it was just an absolute that we had to have a car. So consider towing a car or consider a truck pulling a trailer, uh, but no, if you get a motorhome, make sure that your motorhome can pull a car. If you already have a car that you want to pull, make sure it's something that can be pulled. Uh, lots of cars can't, either they can't four down or they can't on a dolly. Um, you can look into, a, a good resource for that is Motorhome Magazine's Dinghy Towing Guide, D-I-N-G-H-Y. That's the style of towing when you tow a, a small vehicle behind you. So look into that stuff. Um, but at the same time, those small motorhomes, those class B's are the best ones to get into small spots to uh, overnight in a parking lot somewhere because they take only one space to to go way deep into the boonies, boondocking, all that sort of stuff. And a lot of people do full time in vans. It's just a different lifestyle than we lead. And it's a lot harder to do with a family. And usually they're moving a lot faster. So yeah. usually they're not breaking camp to go to the grocery store. They're only staying in one spot for one or two or three nights and then, and then moving. moving on, stopping at a grocery store as they go on. And so, that's a conversation that we've yeah. had about how we want to travel when it does eventually become just the two of us. And we do go back and forth on whether or not we want to pull something small, like a Bambi, or if we want to be in a class B. And it always comes down to that conversation of whether or not we always want to have to break camp anytime we go somewhere. Yeah. And we're back and forth on how we feel about that. Another downfall with motorhomes while we're on the subject is if there is an issue with your motorhome and it needs to be repaired and you live in it full time, it's going to need to go into a shop, which means you moving out of it and going into a hotel. And been there, done that. We have in our, if you've been listening for a while, you know that in our school bus conversion, we had it in the shop several times and spent lots of time in hotels. And by shop, sometimes we mean Jason had it in the hotel parking lot. That too. And was working on it while we were living in the hotel for a week. Now, the, that's, that's fine. That's not something that you can't do. But if you don't want to do that, know that that can be a challenge, especially if you're getting an older vehicle. And know that repairs at RV service places do take some time. It's not like when you take your your family sedan to the dealership and they spend a day or two or three on it and repair it for you. Sometimes your motorhome can be in a shop for weeks at a time. Well, for us right now, we went from having two engines that we were responsible for to having one engine we were responsible for. And that was really important to us. After almost three years with two engines to care for, we just couldn't do it anymore. We needed something that was more like a home on wheels and not an automobile on wheels that we were living in. And look, the 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 appeal of a motorhome, of going down the road with that beautiful vista oh, in front yes. of you, of being able to get up and go to the bathroom while oh, somebody yes. else is driving <laughs> or have somebody cooking lunch while, while you're driving. All that's really appealing. Uh, but for us, we're more comfortable now for our family with a truck pulling a trailer. Plus, if something goes wrong with the truck, it goes into the shop. We can stay in a campground in our home. Rent a car is a little bit cheaper than having to rent Absolutely. a hotel room. <laughs> All right, let's talk about storage. Let's dive into the inside of your home and what are the things that you might want to consider that you wouldn't think of. Clothes storage. When you're going on a vacation, you're not taking anywhere near the clothes storage that you need when you're living full time and you're taking a year's worth of clothing. You're taking clothing for all seasons. That's a big difference and you gotta have a place to put them. You wanna know if that storage is 
going to work for you, first of all. And if it's easy to access the stuff that you're going to be putting into your RV. Yeah, I will tell you one thing I didn't consider about this trailer. And it's one thing that we're still trying to figure out how to rectify. So Henry's bed, his bunk bed, has a really big storage compartment underneath that you lift it up and there's enough storage underneath there that I can have all of the kids stuff and I put them in these Tupperware containers and then I set the Tupperware container on top of a thinner longer container where I put the off-season clothes for that child that's all fine and dandy that works out great what I didn't think about when we were walking through this trailer is that that lid to that storage area that is Henry's bunk there are no lifts. There, there's no, not only are there no lifts under it, lifts are like little gas rods that hold it up. Right. There are also no hinges on it. It's no, just a piece it, of plywood laying down. Yes. And when you're walking through the rig and you lift it up and you look at it, and it's really easy because it's got that kind of crappy RV mattress on it. And it's before your child comes in and puts his two blankets, his 50 stuffies, his pillows, his toys. And it is at the point now where in order for me to get underneath that and to get to their clothes, I have to take half the things off of his bed because his bed is too heavy. That's I do that every day. And what's frustrating about that is that my kids can't be independent and get their own clothes. So I still have to get underneath there and get stuff for them when they are clearly old enough to be able to pick out their own clothes and dress themselves. Another perfect example of something that would be fine to deal with on vacations, but is a big pain when you're living full time. And every storage underneath the sofa, underneath everything, it's, it's the same deal. It's pieces of plywood laying flat, and that's what you're going to find. And a lot of rigs that you walk through, you'll be like, oh, there's storage under this and under this and under this. Yeah. All this great storage. Is it easy to get to? Do you have to modify it? All that stuff. Well, let's preface this by saying, too, that this is the price point that we're in. Also, these things may not even be an issue depending on the price point that you are looking at for your rig. And the size of your family and Absolutely. the size of your rig, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, these are these are just our examples of how things have been different for us because when we built the school bus, we built in those hinges. We built in hydraulic lifts because we knew that we wanted to be able to get under there and get stuff and we wanted people to be able to do it on their own. It didn't even occur to me that that was missing when I was like, oh, storage under a bed. That's what yeah. we've been doing for the last three years. Perfect. Along with clothes storage, you got to think about laundry storage. Like half of your clothes storage is, ends up being laundry. Our laundry storage is is two pop-up laundry containers that end up in our bathtub. We have to pull them out every time we want to take a shower. And my sort of process with that is that one stays collapsed while the other one is open. Once that one is filled, I zip it up and it actually goes to the back of the truck because that becomes laundry. Then the second one pops open and it goes into the tub. Most RV manufacturers have not put a place for laundry right. in your rig unless you decide to put it in a drawer or something like that. And that was but, something we did think about yeah. when we were looking at our trailer because we had specifically built a laundry area in the bus. And I was very, very hyper aware of that. And so as we were walking through these trailers, that was what we kept saying. Where are we putting laundry? Yeah. Where are we putting laundry? And at the end of the day, it was, we're putting laundry into the bathtub. And then when we want to use the shower or the bathtub, unfortunately, those baskets have to come out. Then they have to stay out until the tub dries. Until it dries. That's, that's the key. You're so, like, you think, oh, I'm going to store stuff in that shower and I'll just no. pull it out when I shower. Well, then you got to wait for it to dry. Yeah. So I also have this kind of policy where I have everyone shower at the end of the night. And then what happens is then overnight when we're all sleeping and this crud isn't all over the place and we're not stepping all over it, the tub dries. I wake up the next morning. I put it all back. We've talked to listeners that have had lots of creative solutions to laundry. Like sometimes there's a hamper that goes through the through underneath the bed. We've talked to people that have one of those full uh, size truck bed drawers that pull way, way out and they put all their laundry in that. But these are things that aren't accessible to yeah. you when you buy the actual RV. Like they've had to create those things for themselves in order to make it work. And so that leads really, really seamlessly into our next topic, which is washer dryer. Yeah, if you want to have a washer and dryer with you, 
you're going to have to have a fifth wheel, probably one of the larger ones, uh, or a Class A motorhome. Those are usually the only ones that have the room and the hookups for a washer and dryer. You can put them in or you can get a single washer slash dryer unit. And that's something that you really want to have. Those are rigs that you're going to want to consider. We don't have a washer and dryer. And I think most full-timers don't, though a lot of them do. And most of us use campground laundry facilities or laundromats in town. And, you know, that goes way back to even even when we lived in an apartment building that had laundry in the basement. Yeah, we didn't even have an apartment that had its own <laughs> right. in-unit washer dryer. It, we had There was only one washer and dryer in the basement for the three apartments in our building. And Abby would often still go to a laundromat because she could take all of the loads of laundry and get them all done in a few hours instead of dealing with going in up up and down the stairs, yeah. three flights of stairs every, you know, half hour, 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So it's not a really big deal for me to have to go over to the campground laundry or to a laundromat. Yeah. Now we haven't been to a laundromat in a very long time um, just because of coronavirus. So we have been utilizing campground laundromats a little bit more. So it's taking a little bit more time because I really don't like to be that person that walks into the campground laundry and takes all the washers knowing that someone else might come in behind me and need a washer too yeah. so i try not to do that and i just try to do you know three four loads at a time uh but then that does have me doing laundry usually at least once a week sometimes twice a week depending on how much henry decides he wants to roll around in the mud that week let's talk about cooking a bit uh, we already talked about the fact that you can't cook outside every single time that you want to you can't cook over you're not gonna i can't tell you how many times we've cooked over a campfire because it's probably zero that's something that i think people romanticize and i think maybe we did too that maybe we would oh, be yeah. cooking over a campfire more i mean the number of campfires we actually have in general well in the is west very small in the don't. west especially yeah, yeah. um it, it and people have outdoor kitchens and that's great if you if you're interested in having an outdoor kitchen uh, you do lose storage space inside everything in RVing is a trade-off so if you put an outdoor kitchen on the outside of an RV that means you've lost storage somewhere if you've lost space somewhere but um, they're very popular a lot of people like to use them but you can't cook at an outdoor kitchen every single meal they're convenient to have a sink out there to use with your grill to have a little mini fridge and all that sort of stuff but that's something you want to consider you want to consider if the space inside is enough room for you to cook is there enough counter space is there enough fridge space for your needs for your cooking style and the way that you cook at home now because do you really want to change the way you're already changing your lifestyle drastically do you want to also change the way you cook and eat drastically when you move into this new RV? That's a challenge. Well, kids don't want to change anything. <laughs> and if you have when kids. When it comes to eating, they want to just sit at our oh. house. They just want to eat their pasta and their pita pizzas. Yeah. Yeah. And then storage inside your kitchen area for all those gadgets and pots and pans and stuff that you might want to bring with you. We we brought more than we should have when we first started traveling and we i think we've cut down on our kitchenware quite a bit you oh know I, I think anybody in a kitchen in a home you know you've got tons of stuff that you touch once a year yeah let's just say when we started traveling in the bus I had my KitchenAid mixer. <laughs> With and... no oven. KitchenAid mixer, no oven. Yeah, KitchenAid mixer, no oven. Well, we had a convection we, oven. We had a, a toaster convection yeah, oven, yes. yes. And I also had my Lodge cast iron Dutch oven. The enamel kind, not the kind you can put on a fire. Yeah, those two <laughs> went away real fast. Uh, but they're sitting in the closet at my mother's house because in my mind someday they're going to come Now, back. I could see actually using that, that Dutch oven as like your only pot. That's that could be. Yeah, one but option, I don't want the weight of it. Right, that but thing is so heavy. And it's going to depend on the vehicle again that you have. You may have a big motorhome that has lots of storage and it has lots of extra cargo carrying capacity, and you don't have to worry so much about weight. So that is something to consider. Let's quick talk about exterior storage. Are we we're in a travel trailer, a standard bumper pole, as they say, travel trailer, which probably have the least exterior storage. They do have the least We have one pass-through. Yeah, and we get by. But if you if you want a lot of exterior storage for your 
for your outdoor games and your chairs and all that sort of fun stuff. Our friends with their fifth wheel, their outdoor storage. I could live in it. There's so much of it. And and Class A motorhomes often have a ton of space underneath. Now, the trade-off is we have a lot of space in the back of our truck that a lot of people don't have. Mm -hmm. But that is something to really consider how much stuff you are going to bring with you. The next one is, will you be stationary or where will you winter? Do you need extra insulation and propane capacity for heating or do you need extra air conditioning for summers in Texas? Yeah, if, if you're stationary in a state like Texas or Florida, you're right now dealing with very, very hot weather. And if you've only got one 13,500 BTU air conditioner, it's probably not cutting it for you. Yeah. So if you can kind of have an idea of that before you go to look for your rig, that's going to really help you stay as comfortable as possible. And it is not as easy as you think to just stay in warm weather. You are going to deal with cold weather, even if you're in a warm climate. You're going to deal with hot weather, even if you like to drive up to Alaska every summer. Yeah, you're going to chase 70 and then you're going to find 40s at night, yep. just so you know. <laughs> so here are some things that we kind of feel aren't as helpful as you think they are, even though they are things that you should consider as you get into your full-time life. Yeah, these are things that kind of like might draw somebody to purchase an RV. And we think that these aren't really things that matter as much as they seem. And maybe they're there, uh, you can solve these problems in other ways as well. Yeah. So we have solar prep. Yeah. Solar prep is basically they've ran two wires to your roof. So if you want to add solar to your rig, that's great. But the fact that your rig comes with solar prep isn't really the greatest feature. And you'll find a lot of this stuff is like stuff manufacturers add to RVs to make them sound better, but really they only cost them, you know, pennies and they're going to cost you more money yeah. when you add these things on at the dealership, like your solar panels, like your electric fireplace or your televator. Or... <laughs> the electric fireplaces are great, but they're a space heater. That's yeah. what they are. They're an electric space heater. There's no difference in that. So if you want one, fantastic. If you enjoy yours, fast, fantastic. It's a space heater with a light on it. So you can replace that if you need to with a space heater. The Televator. I, I love I love your televator. take on the Televator. Oh. If you don't know what a Televator is, it's the lift that brings your TV up and down. And look, maybe some of you have those. Maybe some of you no love them. No shame in your game. But what the heck do you put on top of it? You don't. So here's the thing. Okay, here's my take on the Televator. Okay? So... It comes up and you watch TV and it's wonderful. And then you're like, okay, I'm done watching TV. I want it to go away. It's going to be aesthetically pleasing. Now you have this big shelf, which you can't set anything on. I mean, you can, but then if you want to go watch TV, you have to take it all off. So where are you going to put it when you take it all off? It has to have its own designated place then. Also, you can't hang anything on the big empty space behind where the televator goes when it's raised up because you won't be able to raise the televator. Now, sometimes it so, goes in front of a window, which is kind of cool, but like, but I don't know, when you're blocking your light. view. Uh, maybe we watch too much TV, I guess. But, but I don't know. Our TV actually hasn't been on for like four days. That's true, but I just can't imagine hiding it. It seems weird. Well, I think it's an aesthetically pleasing sort of view. Yeah. Like some people don't want to see their television like right there. But I guess for me is I'd almost just rather have doors well, that it's, I could close. It's another version of wasted space, right? Because that TV's if it's going down into something, it's that space it's filling under there would have been storage otherwise. Yeah. Wow. We really feel strongly about the <laughs> televator. We need to move on. Okay, uh, residential other, fridges. Residential fridge, it can be great for its capacity, but it's really going to limit you, especially if you're really interested in boondocking. They also fail more than propane fridges. People think propane fridges fail more, and that's one reason that they buy residential fridges for RVs, but actually residential fridges fail more often in an RV. So really consider that. People like them, but if you're not going, if you're not going to be plugged in all the time, you're going to have to have a way to power that residential fridge. A Wi-Fi antenna or wiring? Yeah, if there's like a pre-installed antenna on your roof, 
guess what? Their whole point in putting that there, it is up there so that you will buy their Wi-Fi plan. So you will buy the data. That is not something that you need to work with. Sometimes it's just wiring for it. Again, like the solar. Convertible sofas and dinettes. Those are fantastic if you are doing short travel. They are a nightmare if you are wanting to live full time and you are planning on sleeping on these things because then you are converting it every single day. And don't worry about like Having grandma and grandpa over, having guests that can sleep on your convertible Ain't nobody sofa. Nobody want to come stay you know in what? your trailer when you live in it full time. <laughs> when I'm you, telling when you. When you do things like that, you're going to go into a campground like the one we are in now that has cabins and those yeah. guests will stay in those cabins while you stay in your rig and it's yeah. wonderful and you're not all sharing the same yeah. bathroom. My mom and dad have zero <laughs> interest in sleeping on this dinette. And none of them are comfortable. Oh my none. gosh, no. We always watch that going RV show yeah. and they all have to pull it out and they have to test it and they lay on it and they're like, oh, this is kind of comfortable. And we always yell at the TV, Sleep on it first, and then you tell me if yeah. it's comfortable, because it's just not. Uh, moving on, second bathroom. This is we'll, We will wind up this conversation yeah. in with some potty talk. That's something that's really... A second bathroom is really important to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Now, we've lived our entire married life without a second bathroom, and... You know, there there are annoyances with that, obviously. There are annoyances <laughs> for me living with four boys. I say often, someday I'm going to have my own bathroom and you guys are going to have your own bathroom and your bathroom will look like your bathroom, but my bathroom will be so clean and beautiful and now, you can't come in it. If you want one, great. If you have one, great. But we have talked to lots of people who have said, I really wanted a second bathroom. I didn't get one. And guess what? It's nowhere near as bad as I thought. And the reason they didn't get one is because a second bathroom is always a major trade-off in space. Think about it. You put a second bathroom into a, a fixed amount of space, you are losing all of that possible storage, Unless bed space, whatever. Unless you get whatever. a mega fifth wheel or yeah, something. Yeah, or your, I mean, or your it, rig's yeah. going to be longer than it would have been otherwise. Yeah, I mean, but that's a trade-off then too because now you have a longer rig and that is going to restrict you even more in some of the state, federal, your ability to boondock. That leads us to sort of the final point, uh, which sort of ties all this together. Is, is and I hinted at it a minute ago, is that there is no perfect rig. There is no perfect rig for you. There is the best rig for you, but you are going to sacrifice certain things in order to gain other things because you're cramming a whole lot of stuff into a small amount of space. So you're either gaining length or losing storage or adding weight. Uh, so it all depends on on who you are, how you want to travel, what kind of truck you have to tow it with, what kind of campgrounds you want to stay in. All that sort of stuff matters when you make your decision in choosing the RV that's right for you. And of course, your budget as well. Absolutely. And you're always going to get into what you buy. And sooner or later, you're going to start thinking about the next rig. Trust me, we're already thinking about the next rig. The grass is always greener. It's always greener. <laughs> but you know what? The days are always sunny because you are doing something that you have dreamt about doing. You're following what you believe is the right thing for you and your partner and your family. And you're getting out there and you're experiencing it. So even though you have to make these sacrifices and these trade-offs, trust us, after almost four years, every single sacrifice has been absolutely worth it because we do things like that hike that we did over the weekend. And we go into seeing these amazing places that we never would have been able to see in a lifetime of vacations. On that note, let's take a break and we'll be right back with our fresh tank, black tank. Be right back. RV Miles is supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention that all of that's included free in the app? 
For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. All right, it's time to check the levels of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? My black tank this week is very, very, very intense. It's the lack of Trader Joe's that I now have to accept <laughs> as we get back on the road. I'm Af- sorry. I know. Af- we do. Our fridge is full of Trader Joe's stuff, and that's awesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> I know. But after two, three weeks of Trader Joe's access, just the idea now that it could be months before I go to another Trader Joe's. Now, I will say, though. <laughs> I did finally run across something at Trader Joe's that I cannot get on board with, and that was the vegan mac and cheese that I had today. Yeah, I looked at that the second you I opened the fridge, and I was like, what are you thinking, vegan mac and it cheese? It looked really good. Look, it if you sounded... want to be vegan, be vegan, but don't try to... Don't try to make mac and cheese vegan. No, it sounded really, <laughs> really good. I need to look back over the ingredients list because there's something in it that's just flipping the taste for me just enough to where I'm like, "Mm -mm, I'm out. I can't do this. If you're not familiar with Trader Joe's, it's sort of a national grocery store chain with, uh, that does things a little bit differently. They they have incredible frozen section. Oh, all sorts of great frozen stuff. We have their Japanese fried rice in the freezer. I'm like, I'm saving it for like the very last (laughs) thing we're going to eat. Like that'll be the Trader Joe's send off because it's just one of our most favorite meals. So that's my black tank. It's more like a gray tank. It's really not life shattering. It's just I know that now I've got a future of Walmarts ahead of me again. What's your fresh tank? My fresh tank this week goes to National Park Federal Campgrounds. We finally got back into one after, gosh, Jason, I don't know the last time we were in one, to be honest. I don't either. Gosh, probably spring of 2019. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, everything just kind of went cray cray at the end of last year. And then it went cray cray again at the beginning of this year. And we finally got back in over the weekend with some dry camping and in a national park campground. And it just felt so good. It felt like home. There was space. There was freedom. There was beauty. It was fantastic. It was wonderful. And that is not to discredit all the other wonderful campgrounds that we have been able to call home recently. We're so thankful that they're open and we're so thankful we have those places to continue to safely social distance and continue to travel. But boy, it felt so good this weekend to be back in a National Park Service campground. All right, Jay, what is your black tank? Once again, Trader Joe's. My I know. Family. It's okay. We're going to get through it, babe. We're going to get through it, I promise. <laughs> Once again, my family's uh propensity for motion sickness oh oh i didn't even oh you know we so we take we take this beautiful drive along us 50 along the arkansas river and it really wasn't very curvy it wasn't something that i even thought our kids might need the wristbands or the dramamine or anything for and uh Abby has blocked it out of her mind because she had to jump up or like a jackrabbit into the back seat and try to catch uh henry's Oh, um, peanut butter lace. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich as it oh. came back up. And then, you know, I had to disassemble his car seat. And thankfully, we have an outdoor shower I could wash it off in. Oh, boy. Oh, that was something else. Bless our friends who we're traveling with who stopped right alongside of us and just were like, no, it's good. You guys do what you need to do. But, boy, oh, wow. I had blocked all of that out. Let's move on to your fresh tank. <laughs> <laughs> My fresh tank this week is our friend Tony Barthel over at the Stressless Camping Podcast, who listened to last week's episode when I was talking about uh, your transmission and when you go up, a, a, when you make it do any extra work, when you go up a steep mountain pass or something, not turning your engine off when you get the at the top because you want it to continue to run the fan and cool down. Well, Tony's father 
was the inventor of a of a famous and and well-used turbo that was in lots of lots of vehicles and he was pointing out that turbos also suffer the same problem if you have a turbo in your diesel truck or in your rv it is spinning very fast when you're going up a steep incline and or or a decline and you've got the rpms up way high and it is getting very hot and it also needs to cool down and uh, that really made me think of all the people that i have talked to that have had to replace their turbos on their big expensive diesel pusher motorhomes those repair bills are insane so it's another another reason you want to not turn your engine off not turn your vehicle off right away after it's done a lot of hard work so thank you tony and please check out the stressless camping podcast they do a great job over there and we are so happy to have them as friends of the show yeah tony and peggy are really really good people and i think it's also another really wonderful example of the rv miles facebook group and that tony felt that he could come in there and continue to expand on that conversation and to educate us and to open up a dialogue. And that is so wonderful. And I think so very, very important to me because I don't ever want what we say or what we do to be the end stop of something because we're not perfect people who know and everything about everything. Hey, we we're learning about this not. as we go. We, yes. we do this so that you can learn from our mistakes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, and we've, we've got some experience under us now, but by no means are we anywhere near no. the most experienced RVers out there. Yeah. We are learning as we go. And so it's really, really great when Tony can come into the group and help expand that conversation. And then you get to have that light bulb like, oh, the turbo, ding. Yeah, and, that and, comes and on. that's what we do in that group. We talk about sort of after the show stuff and then any of your RVing questions or your travel questions, they're all answered right there from really nice people. It's almost it's almost like Disneyland. It's the happiest place on earth. Almost. It's the happiest RV place. It's the happiest place on, on Facebook, Facebook for sure. For <laughs> and sure. I think that that is a great place to wrap up this week's all right, episode. Let's do a brain teaser. Yes. Here we go. You can watch me but I do not move at all. Watch me do nothing as I sit by a wall. As I'm being watched, I tend to get hotter. For heaven's sake, don't put me near water. What am I? A gremlin. <laughs> we'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We absolutely will. And hey, we would like to invite you to connect with us across social media. RV Miles is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and also on YouTube, which you may be watching this right now, or you may be listening to it, or you may be doing both. Also, if you haven't checked out our two other podcasts, yes, you heard right. We do three podcasts a week. We have RV Miles, we have the America's National Parks podcast, and we have our newest, the Sea America podcast, which is actually about to start season five. We're in the middle of season four right now. We have now. about four episodes left in season four. Yeah, amazing yeah. enough. So if you're listening to this on your podcast app, you will absolutely find America's National Parks and See America. If you have any questions, suggestions for Jason and I, please feel free to email us at editor at rvmiles.com or just drop into the DMs anywhere across social media. Drop it in the Facebook group. But until next week... Have a fantastic week. Stay safe, wear a mask, and keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. 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 Goodbye. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. You are the weakest link. Goodbye.